Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Rebecca. What's news in your world? We are putting things in the exhibit hall and we are becoming cricket people. Oh, cricket. I thought you said critic. I'm like, we're already critical people. No, no. cricket. <laughs> Where we can cut out fancy designs and put them on the wall or in museum speak, we can cut out exhibit text and it looks fancy and oh so good. Spoiler alert. You're going to have to come in and see the weavings that are hung up on this gorgeous blue wall with this white lettering. We look so fancy. We are very proud of it. It's so cool. It is. So shout out to Jessica for loaning us the cricket. Now we're going to beg for someone to buy us a cricket machine, please. <laughs> we're cricketing and we're still podcasting on this. And uh, what are we doing the podcast on this week? Well, actually, it's... It's an interesting little jigsaw about Hilltop. I got an email a few months ago from Matthew, and he was working on a piece on Hilltop for KFAI radio station. They do a piece called Mini Culture. And he said, I'd love some information on Hilltop. And I said, okie dokie, and we gave him the information for Hilltop, because that's what we do. And then he sent us the finished piece on Hilltop, and it was quite a nice recording. So we thought, why not make it part of our podcast series? If you don't know, Hilltop is the smallest city in our county. So one of those 21 cities that our podcast is named after. And one that we don't love often enough. So this was a really great opportunity to shine a light on them. I love Hilltop. It's so cute and some of the best people. So this episode is a little conversation between you and Matthew uh, talking about his research and how he made his program and then uh, the mini culture episode that he put together. Yeah, a little bit of making the sausage as it were. So let's get into it. Okay. Uh, my name is Matthew Schneeman. I contribute to KFAI's mini culture program, which does arts, culture, and Minnesota history. And I was trying to, um, my brother works in South St. Paul, and there's a teeny bit of South St. Paul that snakes into West St. Paul. There's two blocks, and it's this weird little enclave. And he told me that the um, the snow plows and the garbage trucks will come and they'll cross the bridge over 52 to get to this, these two blocks and they'll just like plow one side of the street and go back. And I thought that was such an interesting image. And my editor said, that is an interesting image, but there's, that's not really a story. <laughs> but it got me thinking about enclaves. And there's, I think there's one in Bloomington between Minneapolis and Bloomington. Um, there's the Little Earth which isn't a reservation, but it's like a, it's like a very, um, it's majority native housing complex in the middle of Minneapolis. And there's just like, there's landfall, um, this kind of uh, by St. Paul. There's a couple of these strange little 
anomalies. And the most interesting one I found was Hilltop. And I said, went back to my editor and I said, well, there's this little town that kind of exists because trailer parks were being banned. And so they had to form this little city. And then she said, that sounds more like a story. And so it was off to the races. And that's how I uh, learned about Hilltop. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, can you back up a little bit and tell me about the organization and it's working with a legacy grant, correct? That's right. Yes, the uh, Minnesota, just a full legacy amendment. I can't remember the full title. But yeah, state funded um, arts and culture projects that um, has a kind of a wide umbrella of different organizations that contribute to it. And KFAI uh, gets X amount of money from the state to make these arts, history, and culture programs. So it's something that we all pay for. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I think it's one of the great ways to, to, to um, kind of archive and catalog all these little things that you wouldn't normally hear on like public radio or commercial radio. Has this been an ongoing project for them over several years? Um, I don't know how long KFAI's had the mini culture program, but over six years at least, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. So there's a number of freelancers like yourself working on the projects? Mm-hmm. And do they all focus on geographic concepts or are they also any other feature idea? I think most of them are more about culture and like artists and music. Um, and I, I tend to focus more on history uh, because I just think it's a little bit more interesting. Um, I don't know, it's hard for like, a, in my opinion, like little profiles of like artists and musicians. Um, I think it's kind of hard to pull off well, but. That's just my own bias, I think. What got you interested in history? Um, I think, what is it? Because I'm not always that, mostly, I'm really interested in like personal interviewing and storytelling. I've done a lot of kind of like first person people talking about different afflictions they've gone through. Um, and my other work is much more philosophical and artistic and uh, and, and much, not very much like what I do with mini culture, but with Minnesota history, I think it's just because I'm from here and it's, it's just kind of amazing that there's so much more that I just wasn't aware of my whole life. Like, um, a year and a half ago, I got into bird watching, which is something I never thought I would do, become a birder. But like, there's something so exhilarating where it's like, all of these birds that are fairly common, um, that are just right outside my window. I didn't know all the woodpeckers that are, are fairly common. Um, it's just like, there's this whole world there. And it's really thrilling that it's just like, wow, all I need to do is like go and like kind of pay attention. And this, all these creatures that I've been around my whole life, like I didn't even know that they existed. And it's the same with like Minnesota history. It's like, if you can take a little bit of time, it's just kind of like, wow, like I. I really kind of understand like myself a little bit better when I see the history of development, like um, with Hilltop, just seeing how the suburbs 
and how the cities grew. And the way that it happened where you have these counties that were unincorporated and then one city would kind of get big and they'd start buying up land and annexing and how it really was like a, a fast pace, let's, let's uh, systematize the metro area to be this very fluid um, economic structure for everything to line up and Hilltop got in the way of that kind of as a fluke. And you saw how um, the Minnesota Municipal Commission got created to try to keep these inefficiencies from happening because a lot of teeny towns wanted to incorporate, but that wasn't as efficient economically and with other forms of infrastructure, which is a legitimate thing. But also the story of Hilltop is kind of like what you miss out from that rapid pace of development. And, and so, yeah, just all those little insights are just kind of, um, kind of beautiful uh, in explaining why modern Minnesota is the way it is. Um, yeah, so I think the bug kind of bit me once I started understanding all of these tendencies um, that I had never really looked at uh, straight in the, the eye before. No, you did a really great job with the story on Hilltop. It was really interesting to listen to, and I know that our listeners are going to enjoy knowing more about it as well. Thank you. This is Miniculture on KFAI. There's a tiny town just north of Minneapolis that's entirely surrounded by Columbia Heights. It's called Hilltop. And in a way, it was forced into existence, and then almost forced out. KFAI's Matthew Schneeman tells this story about a neighborhood that became a city. Off of Central Ave, Highway 65, just north of Minneapolis, there's a city that's about one-tenth of a square mile. One of its borders is about 0.2 miles long which means you could, if you were nodding off in the passenger seat of a car, blink and miss it. It's the city of Hilltop. I went there a couple times this spring. Could we do a, a little tour? The, which, what'd you call it? The, the five-minute five tour. Five <laughs> sure. This is Ruth Nelson, city clerk for Hilltop, the only paid employee. Right. I thought it'd be funny if I actually time it. At my stopwatch. <laughs> what do you think? You think it'll be five minutes? If we just did the drive, sure, we can do it all in five minutes. Um, Why is Hilltop so small? Because, essentially, it's a city that grew out of a couple mobile home parks. When the term, air quotes, affordable housing started being thrown around, some folks around here kind of rolled their eyes. Hilltop was affordable housing in the 1950s. It still is today, but it's not only that. Um, there's Central Plaza Shopping Center is the biggest commercial patch. Wow, this road's in terrible shape. Uh, I don't care how big or small your city is. Springtime in Minnesota means bumpy roads. Currently, Hilltop's population is around 1,000 and is majority Hispanic. The average age is just 31 years old. It's a young city where people are busy with working kids. Oh, we're back to Monroe. So that's it. You just rode the perimeter of Hilltop. <laughs> so I'll stop the timer. Seven minutes, eight seconds. Almost a five-minute tour. 
Anyway, back in the 1950s, the small community considered joining Columbia Heights, their immediate neighbor next door. They already were commissioning water from Columbia Heights, so it seemed logical. However... And not only they didn't want mobile home parks... That's Linda Johnson, a council member for Hilltop. The big issue was Columbia Heights had banned trailers and trailer parks, but also... We were trying to get them uh, services. We wanted to hook up to regular water. Hilltop actually commissioned those services from Columbia Heights, but they didn't have much of a say in how they were taxed or what was built. It was kind of like a mini revolutionary war. Columbia Heights didn't want Hilltop to be independent, but they also didn't want them as part of Columbia Heights. So Hilltop put it to a vote, should they incorporate. Columbia Heights wasn't happy. In 1956, the Minneapolis Star quoted a Columbia Heights official saying, The threat of sewer and water cutoff would make the Hilltop incorporators think twice about setting up their own village. Why was Columbia Heights so dead set against Hilltop incorporating anyway? One concern was that Hilltop would build a bar or a liquor store, and that would compete with Columbia Heights' municipal liquor store. Hilltop promised that they had no such plans. On May 2, 1956, Hilltop voted to incorporate. Columbia Heights, of course, wasn't happy. They continued their threats to cut off water service. Hilltop brazenly marched on and did the unthinkable. Two years later, they opened a liquor store. The mayor of Columbia Heights at the time, John P. Stopka, told the Minneapolis Star, This was a miniature Pearl Harbor. Pretty big words, and that guy lived through Pearl Harbor. But remember, Columbia Heights had a municipal liquor store not far from Hilltop. This could cut into the city's revenue. Columbia Heights was angry. And they weren't alone. Throughout Minnesota, other trailer towns and small villages were incorporating. Legislators saw this as a threat to the efficiency of the new suburban system. In 1959, the state created the Minnesota Municipal Commission. The Minneapolis Sunday Tribune quoted the chairman, Joseph Robbie, laying out his vision. Multiplying villages like rabbits can outdistance all progress achieved by otherwise intelligent planning. These uneconomical villages may be costly to people living in the adjacent area who must assist in paying for the required municipal services for the village, which is not self-reliant. In the 1950s and 60s, people like Joseph Robbie were direct about their fears of uneconomic villages, which was unfair to Hilltop because Hilltop was actually a threat to Columbia Heights' self-reliance, not their own. Regardless, Minnesota was growing, and anything that slowed that down was a threat, or at least something to avoid. But later on, those fears would slip into something more vague, caricatures. Even if the heroine of a movie, and I'm thinking of Sweet Home Alabama, has their roots in this kind of housing, there's no no portrayal of mobile home parks that's ever flattering. Mm. And it's, it's not deserved. Linda Johnson. People have a connotation, I think, from television. Because there's no factual uh, mm-hmm. support for a mobile home park being any different than the next block down. I've had experience on all three types of housing. She's lived in apartments, houses, and manufactured homes, a.k.a. mobile homes. I think mobile home parks are 
a valuable asset. In 1961, the Minnesota Municipal Commission, on behalf of Columbia Heights, asked Attorney General Walter Mondale to challenge the validity of the village's incorporation before the Supreme Court. Lucky for Hilltop, Mondale did not take up the request, and Hilltop remained. They had come close to being erased. In time, the feud cooled down a bit, but not entirely. Linda showed me some old photos from a parade from years ago. And uh, so these are just all the different parades. Hilltop, heart of Columbia Heights. We were <laughs> that was my idea. Uh, that's that's when we were kind of arguing with uh, Bruce Naraki was the mayor. And, and uh, I don't know, he didn't like us. So <laughs> I thought it was a cute, cute idea. <laughs> <laughs> The water issue was resolved. Hilltop borrowed money for the first time and built a water tower, which allowed them to connect directly to the Minneapolis system. Right on, um, right next to Hilltop? I know that because they have a water tower and it says Hilltop. The water tower is still there. It's a baby blue, so light. It sometimes looks white. What's most interesting to me about Hilltop is Columbia Heights was right. It would have been cheaper and more efficient if Hilltop had been absorbed by them. But then, of course, it wouldn't be Hilltop. It's a great place to live. That's that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the, the new slogan. Right, it is. It's, you know, I've raised two kids and now my grandkids are living here and I think it's a great, great place to live. You've been listening to Miniculture on KFAI. Support for Miniculture on KFAI has been provided by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. When when you're working on a project like that, the quantity of information that you have to take in versus the quantity of information that actually gets into the finished product is, you know, a, a sliver of its former self, right? Mm. Um, what if it had been a longer program, what sort of information would have been included in it? Um, a big thing I skipped is modern day hilltop and the Latin or Latinx population, which is, um, I think, the majority. Um, it's similar in Landfall, where a, a similar city where it was trailer parks that um, incorporated. And so I just I couldn't really report that because I don't speak Spanish. Um, but that's just kind of um, something that would be an entirely different story about like what's what does affordable housing look like now? Um, and but then there were there were really fun stories like James Carroll, a, who was mayor of Hilltop briefly when he was I think early twenties. He was in the army as like a motorcycle scout, and he when the Allies were. Um, liberating certain cities in France. He was sent in to like make sure the Germans had cleared off and he went into this like little town and he didn't see any Germans and a bunch of like um, townspeople came out and saw him and were just like, oh my God. And they like, threw like wreaths around him and took pictures with them. And then he went back and told like, yep, Germans aren't there. 
and they, the city got liberated and he goes on with his life, becomes mayor of Hilltop. And then when he's in, it's like, I don't know, 70s or 80s, he gets this letter or something and turns out that that little town would celebrate um, Liberation Day each year. And they even had like little statues of him. <laughs> they were just like, um, because he was the image of liberation because he was the first one to enter the town after the uh, the German army was pushed out. And so I just thought that was just like a really wild thing. Like they thought he had died. Like they, So he was like this kind of like saintly martyr to like some people <laughs> and some like benefactor would fly him out to France. Um, so yeah, there's a couple stories like that in Hilltop that were really great. There was a, a less, a kind of a, a sadder story about the embezzlement that was uncovered in the 90s. Um, the city clerk, Karen Dance, was, had a, a shopping addiction and um, had embezzled, I think the count was over $200,000. I'm not really good with numbers, can't remember exactly how it is. Um, but Linda Johnson, who's, who I interviewed, she knew her and kind of, you know, it, it was pretty hard on her. Um, but yeah, just a couple of small town stories that I couldn't put in the piece that were really um, kind of showed how things, um, how, yeah, just like kind of show the small town feel and how, um, how things are different in Hilltop. So I couldn't fit all that in. No, it sounds great. Um, Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time to do this little introduction piece for us. And, you know, I hope we keep in touch and maybe we can work on some other projects in the future. Yeah, thanks so much for reaching out. Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hello, I'm Dana Nurberg, a librarian for Anoka County Library, here with your Library Minute. These resources are all about life in small towns. Enjoy. If you lived here, you'd be home by now. Why We Traded the Commuting Life for a Little House on the Prairie by Christopher Ingram. As a writer for the Washington Post, the author of this book once made a negative comment about a small town in Minnesota in one particular article, a choice that would have interesting consequences. Residents from the town wrote to him to get him to visit so he might reconsider his opinion. Not only did he visit, but he would also eventually relocate there, in part for the charm he found in small-town life. A Long Stretch of Bad Days by Mindy McGinnis Two girls from opposite socioeconomic backgrounds come together to get one last history credit before graduating. They take on a local history podcast and endeavor to uncover the truth behind a very bad week in the small town's history in which a tornado, flood, and missing persons case all coincided. This book is Small Town Secrets meets True Crime Podcasts. Finally, we have the movie New in Town. Starring Renee Zellweger and Harry Connick Jr., this movie is set in a small town in Minnesota. The main character, played by Zellweger, is relocated by her company from the big city to a small town. All the usual humorous antics are at play here with the big city to small town trope, including the character falling for a local hunk despite her fervent intentions not to. You can get these resources and so much more at your local Anoka County Library. Until next time, happy learning. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anokacountyhistory.org. There are always so many more stories that can be told of even just a small town that is 
smaller than the Mall of America. I think that's the most fun about small spaces is that you get to dig into the stories on such an intimate, tiny little level in a way that you can't do with, you know, say St. Paul, Minneapolis, because there's just too many people to tell the story. Whereas something like Hilltop, you know, there's individuals that make up the, the smaller whole. So now I'm thinking that we need to go to Hilltop and start doing some human on the street experiences and talking to some of the people that actually call it home. That would be amazing. Taking our fuzzy bunny microphones on the street. It's so easy to drive past Hilltop and not realize it's there, but it has such an interesting history and people that still live there. So this is our call to you, dear listeners. Send us your Hilltop contacts, your Hilltop memories, your Hilltop photos. We'll beef up the collection and we'll come back to you with more. I love it, all the possibilities. We need more staff. There's too many possibilities. We are known for our ideas. <laughs> Not enough hands. We need to be like octopus is uh, octopi. Octopied, octopies, octopuses. So hilltop content contacts, and if anybody knows cloning or uh, how to add arms. On that note, folks, I'm serious. <laughs> Make more of us. Until next time. See you. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras as well as the latest digital resources at History 21 The Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future. <laughs>